Has anybody ever had a bad day before? Man, I've, I've had a bad day. I was having a bad day yesterday, if I'm honest with you. It was, it was a bad day, Not, uh, just sickness and, you know, crud stuff going around. Anybody had that lately? It is no fun at all. No fun at all. Before we dive into the series today and, and this topic on how do we live through a bad day, I want to just um, celebrate. We're doing baptisms today right after the service, and uh, so we've got some hot water. I'm telling you, it's hot water back there. Yeah, we, we baptized somebody right after the first service, and just just so amazing. If you didn't come ready for baptism today, we're ready for you. And we have we have the shirt, which is yours to keep. We got shorts. We've got, uh, I'm serious, we've got brand new underwear for you and you can you can go change into the change into your baptism stuff get baptized go change back into your other clothes and and you don't have to do what we used to call drip dry home you know today would not be a good day to do that it's too cold to be drip drying home so we'll take we got you taken care of and uh and and you can get baptized right after the service uh right back there and i invite you guys to stick around and participate join in on that as well and one thing we get asked about pretty often is, is small groups. Man, when are we going to do small groups? What's the next step for small groups? And, uh, and the plan for us is to smart, start small groups in, in uh, the summer. So we're a church that we believe in small groups. And I, I don't know, I think it'd be hard to find somebody that believes in small groups as much as I do. I just love them. Because we, we believe at City Hope we have to grow larger on the weekend all right, because healthy things grow, right? Healthy plants grow, healthy businesses grow, healthy things grow. Well, healthy churches ought to grow too. And, and so healthy things grow. If that's the case, we grow larger on the weekend and smaller uh, through small groups. And so we're going to start those in the summer. And so right now, we're, we're focused on just building that healthy weekend ministry teams. And, and if you're looking for community, looking for ways to get involved, one of those ways is through uh, the growth track. You can start that, get plugged in on a weekend team serving here. And there is plenty of community just through serving on Sundays and going out to lunch with your buddies and pals after service. There's a lot of community just in that. But we, we want to focus on that for now. And in the summer, we'll do six weeks and then take a break. And then in September, we'll do a 13-week series of small groups. And from that point on, uh, we'll have a, a great rotation of small groups going on. And speaking of growth track, that's happening right after the service today. So if, if you're ready to take some next steps, you've kind of been kicking the tires a little bit, looking under the hood, checking, see if City Hope is for you, then, then I'd encourage you to come to Growth Track today, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll tell you about who we are, all right? So uh, this new series, How to Live Through a Bad Day, is, uh, is actually based on a book by Jack Hayford. Anybody ever heard of Jack Hayford before? He was a pastor in California, and uh, Pastor Jack wrote a book many years ago and uh, it was under a different title, but it has been re, re, uh, remade under the title, How to Live Through a Bad Day. And in the book, he discusses seven statements that Jesus made while he was on the cross, okay? Did you know that that was Jesus' bad day <laughs> when he was on the cross? He makes seven statements, and these seven statements, you have to go to all four Gospels to find them, and the seven statements really are, they're, they're a... Uh, What's the best way to say it? it, it it's, a, it's a model for us of how to, use, how, how to go through our bad days, okay? We can use these seven statements as an illustration or, or however framework, if you will, uh, to process our bad days. And this series will take us right up to uh, Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter. 
So we're going to go all the way to Palm Sunday, and then on Easter Sunday, we are going to celebrate big time, man, because it is, it is Easter Sunday, and we're going to, this place is going to be packed. We're going to add services because all the people you're going to bring with you, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be great. And so that, that's, uh, just, uh, that's coming up, and we'll be telling you about outreaches that we'll do for Easter, ways that you can get involved, ways that you can invite and be part of, um, part of the team. So Jesus is a pretty awesome guy, isn't he? he? He went to the cross, and while he's on the cross, he's bearing all of our sin. Man, he, the weight of the world, probably in a more literal sense than we could ever imagine, is on his shoulders. The weight of the world, he, I mean, it's just, he, it's on him. And here's Jesus um, paving the way for us to have a life-giving relationship with him on the cross. And while he's going through the cross, while he's experiencing all that pain, he's teaching us life lessons along the way. <laughs> uh, that's, it's pretty amazing. He could teach us these life lessons. And so um, uh, we call it Good Friday. But don't you know it was, it was a bad day for Jesus? <laughs> It wasn't a good Friday for Jesus. It was a bad day. Uh, Alexander would call it a terrible, horrible, no good. Yes. Y'all don't know that book? Have you seen the movie at least? Come on, y'all. Come on. Alexander and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. It's one of my favorite child, children's books. I, I, in fact, I've got a message on it. I might just break that out right now. We just preach that. That book, I'm just, I'm kidding. Alexander said, hey, it's a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. That, that was Jesus' day on the day of crucifixion. And uh, what we know about bad days is that you're either, you're either coming out of a bad day, thank you, Jesus, <laughs> you're either in a bad day or you're about to go into a bad day. You know what I'm talking about? You're either, you're either coming out of one, you're in one, or you're about to go into one. And, and so how, how do how did, how many of you today, I mean, you don't have to show your hands, but, man, you're having a bad day. Or maybe you want to show your hand and you just say, I'm sitting by my bad day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's my bad day right there. Yeah. Well, we've been through them, and, and unfortunately, there's more to come, right? So our theme verse for this series is found in Hebrews chapter 12, and it's verse 2. One of the older translations of the NIV actually says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And I, I like that. But fixing our eyes on Jesus, in other words, if you're in a bad day, where's the first place you ought to look? To Jesus. Man, why is it that we look everywhere else first? And we try to fix things on our own, and we try to handle things on our own, and then we go, man, I haven't even prayed about it. Well, come on. Hey, let, that should be number one. Let's pray about it first. He's the pioneer. Another translation says author and perfecter. Uh, he's the author and finisher. He's the beginning and end of, the, of our faith. For the joy, love that word right there. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy for Jesus? You, yeah, you are the joy. Can you imagine that? Can you, can you grasp that for just a second, that you were the reason he endured the cross? You were the reason. In other words, on his bad day, he wasn't thinking about his bad day. He was thinking about you. <laughs> he was thinking about you. He was thinking about where you are right now in 2019, March 3rd. Man, he was thinking about you. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, 
scorned its shame, and now he's at the right hand of the throne of God. And I believe that goes on um, to say he's making intercession for us. Did you know that the word intercession, it's where we get the word attorney? In other words, he, he, Jesus is at your defense. He's representing you to God. He's mediating. And because he knows what you've been through, he's up there saying, Dad, I've, I've been through that. we got to help him out. I know what they're going through. Let's, let's, let's help them. Let's do something about it, right? Well, the message um, is, is a paraphrase, and we're going to read that same scripture from the message. And, and it's not a translation, it's, so it's not literal. It's more story form. Like you would read the message. It's a great book, uh, a, um, a great read if you want to read, but not a great study, okay? So if you just want to read the Bible to read it, the message is great, but you wouldn't use it for study. And in the message, it says, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished. Like, he started it, and he finished the race. He finished the race we're in. This is what I want us to do. Study how he did it. Over the next seven weeks, we're going to study how did Jesus do it? What can we learn from him? Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. Man, he never lost sight of that. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. So that, that's our theme verse over these next few weeks. And we're going we're gonna to be diving into that a little bit more. But if you've been in church for a little bit, uh, you probably know this story or know a little bit about the story of Jesus and, and how he went to the cross. It was Passover, and he was celebrating um, the Passover meal with his disciples. We call it the Last Supper, right? You've heard of that before? The Last Supper. And about 9 o'clock that night, they had gone to pray. And around 9 o'clock that night, in the Garden of Gethsemane, one of his disciples rats him out, turns him in. And he's arrested. They take Jesus um, to, to uh, one of the high priest's house and, and some religious leader's house, and, and they begin to try him. Okay, And it was illegal for him to be on trial at night. In the Jewish culture and Roman culture, you didn't have trials in the evening, in, in, in dark hours. And so it was illegal for them to be holding a trial for him. He went through three trials with, with the religious leaders, uh, probably more than that, then with Herod, then with, uh, then with Pilate, then Herod, then back to Pilate. He went through a lot, all illegal, by the way. And so they're looking for some way we can pin something on Jesus to crucify him. They have had it up to here. They couldn't find anything. They, and so they, they beat him. They, they just they, they wear him out. They pluck his beard out. They, they punish him for no good reason, right? They nail him to the cross at 9 o'clock on, on Good Friday. They nail him to the cross, and, and they hoist him up. And just about the time that, that cross slams into the ground, he utters these words found in Luke. Luke chapter 23, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. <laughs> those, it's amazing to me that he says those words, first of all. But what's even more amazing is that it's the first words that he says. Before anything else happens, everything he's been through, he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know they have no clue what they are doing. And here's my challenge to us, church, is that the first thing we need to do is release the hurt and the pain of every person who's done something against us. Release it. 
release it. So write it down this way. Here's the way I, I want you to write it down. You've got to forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. <laughs> man, don't you know, you, you feel like, I, I don't know that it's always true, but man, we feel like, man, there's somebody just out there just trying to ruin my life. You know what I mean? They're just, it just seems that way sometimes. It's probably not that way, but it, it can seem that they're always there. To ruin my life, it's like they went to step two of the growth track and they figured out their spiritual gift is, is making your life miserable. And, man, they're going to do it to the best of their God-given ability, right? Well, there's going to be bad days. Jesus said it this way in Matthew. He said, there'll be a lot of people, man, you're going to get offended. You're going to betray one another and you're going to hate one another. Man, that's encouraging. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. We're going to offend each other, betray each other, hate each other. In Luke, he said it another way. He said to his disciples, it's impossible that no offense should come. So just count on there's opportunity to be offended. And, and you could say it this way. Try as hard as you want to. You can't live your life without being offended. Okay, Those days are probably going to come. So, but I've got good news for you. We're going to cover that in just a minute. The problem is that we think we're hurting other people when we hold unforgiveness in our hearts. We, we think we're, man, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting them, holding that unforgiveness in. We, we think that we're doing damage to somebody else. Man, I'm going to drive the stake in their heart with this one. And really, we're only hurting ourselves. I've heard it said a couple different ways that unforgiveness or bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. <laughs> isn't, isn't that ridiculous? That's crazy. Another way I've heard it said is that unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire and expecting the other person to die of smoke inhalation. Come on. That's crazy. That is ridiculous that we, would, we, we think that would happen. That kind of reminds me uh, of a Boudreaux joke. Y'all ever heard of Boudreaux joke? Any Cajuns in the house? Anybody? anybody we need to work on getting some Cajuns here. I think I would fit in, in in Louisiana. I think I'd fit in there. So uh, Boudreaux is a Cajun thing. You just have to know. I have some Cajun friends. And so Boudreaux goes to the general store one day where they, they always hung out at the, at the general store. And Boudreaux goes in one day. He, he has what they call a lump on him chest. He got a lump on him chest. And he walks in, and the, the, the general manager says, Boudreaux, what the lump is on your chest? And he says, dynamite, dynamite. Why you got dynamite on your chest? He said, every day when I come in here, Thibodeau, he slapped me in the chest and he broke every cigar what I got in my pocket. I'm going to blow his hand off. That's funny right there. Going to blow his hand off with the dynamite on his chest, right? It's a joke, but listen, for real, there's a lot of us who are trying to do that same thing. Well, I'll show him. We're going to hold our breath until we pass out. I'll show him and we'll do these things that, that only hurt us, like, like these internal things, this, this unforgiveness. And if Jesus were here, if he were trying to teach you about bad days, what he would tell you is you have to let it go. Mm. You got to let it go. We do, and, and, and it sounds, man, that sounds easier than it really is, Ben. We're going to get there. We'll get there, but we, we've got to let it go. In the last 12 hours of Jesus' life, from 9 p.m. to 9 a.m., he went through five things that will remind you of some bad days you've had. These five things are, are ways that he can identify with you. If you ever feel like, man, Jesus never, he never dealt with that, 
Watch. You'll see. He's been through what you've been through. And the first one is this, betrayal. Five ways Jesus can identify with your struggle. He was betrayed, y'all. Judas Iscariot was one of his 12 disciples, one of his closest companions. Judas sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. He sold him out so that Jesus could be arrested. He was betrayed. And some of you here today, you know what that feels like to be sold out, to, to, for somebody to turn their back on you, to say, you know what, I'm done. This relationship is over. I, you know, even your family members, there's, there's, there's family issues where people have just separated. They've turned away from each other and betrayed each other. You know what that's like. You've been there. But can I tell you, Jesus has been there. He's been in those shoes. And, and you know, I really don't think it even matters that much unless it's somebody who lo- that you love and care about. You know, like if, if some Joe Blow off the street betrays you, like, hey, whatever, I don't know you. I don't know you, right? It's kind of like that. It's not a big deal. But when somebody you love and know cares about you, you care about them, it hurts. And you have that, that betrayal. The second thing he, he faced was false accusation. Not only was he betrayed, but he went through all of those trials that I told you about, all those illegal trials, and, and, and was charged with a crime. Like, like the crime was blasphemy because they finally point blank asked him, are you the Messiah? He can't lie. He's the Son of God. It is as you say. And, and that was the charge, that he claimed to be the Son of God. And they wouldn't... That he was the son of God, not that he just claimed it. That was the charge. And so what happened was in that trial, person after person came to falsely accuse him. They were trying to come up with everything, every piece of false evidence they could to accuse him. It didn't work. It didn't work. And so if there's one of these that could, that could get, like, get me going, if there's one of these, it's probably this one. Because, man, I... Nobody likes to be falsely accused. Like if, I like to think that if you accuse me of something and I did it, I could own up to it. You know what I mean? Like, hopefully we, would, we, we could do that. But when, when it's false, man, that hurts and it stings. And Jesus has been there. And so we have to actively, actively, progressively forgive those who are accusing us. But Jesus wasn't just accused. He was also abandoned by his disciples. Not one of them came to his rescue. They all went into hiding. A couple watched from a distance. Nobody came to his defense. That's why he felt rejection. Number three, everyone, he had 12 disciples. One of them sold him out. A couple of them watching from a distance, right? But the rest of them, they go to hiding. Nobody goes up to the high priest and say, nope, that's not true. Jesus didn't say that. No, they ran. They took off. And he has this rejection. Okay, can I tell you this today? Some of you are qualifying your life based on, based on what somebody said about you on social media. I, I, I'll get, just get on a soapbox here for a second. Just, just for a second. Like you're, com, you're comparing your life to somebody else's highlight reel on social media. All the good things that they're posting and all, all the great food that they're eating, you don't see their, their refrigerator with no food in it, uh, right? They don't ever show you their, their dirty house, 
you know what I'm saying? Like, it's always, it's always the newest thing that just hung up on the wall. They don't, they don't ever show you the, the bad parts. They're just showing you the highlight reel. You're comparing your life to theirs. And then maybe somebody says something on social media that, that, that caused rejection in your heart. And, 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 and you just, like, it fires you up. It's, it's, it's burning inside of you. It's, it's like eating at you. And I'm just telling you today, maybe you need to break up with social media. Maybe just call it quits for a little bit. Come to the house of God and let Jesus Christ tell you who you are. Let your identity be founded in him alone. And remember that you are more than a conqueror. You are the first and not the last. You are above and not beneath. You are the head and not the tail. You belong to God. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You're a people belonging to God. You've been called out of darkness and into his marvelous, glorious light. Amen. That's who you are. You're not rejected. You're accepted in Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm preaching better than y'all amen it. <laughs> so you, you, well, you, have to let, you have to let God's word define you and not the world. Man, the world's got everything. They, they have their stuff. Man, God's word has the definition on who you are. So he's been betrayed. He's been falsely accused. He's been rejected. Now he's, now he's abused. Abuse. He has been through this. Many of you have suffered this in your own lives. It's caused unforgiveness. It's caused bitterness. You won't let it go. It's eating at you. They verbally, physically, emotionally, spiritually abused Jesus. They mocked him, spit on him. Pulled his beard out, y'all. Pulled his beard out crown of thorns on his head. The Bible says they took a, a, a whip, uh, often called the cat of nine tails. And this, this whip had uh, multiple kind of strands on it and with glass, bone, uh, rocks, anything sharp that could cut skin. And it was a leather whip, and they would take that whip, and they would beat the criminal. Okay, They would whip him. It was called, uh, some translations will say, I, uh, Paul, Paul one time in the scripture said, I had 40 lashes minus one. 39 lashes. If they went above 40, it would have been a crime on their part. That was the maximum number of strikes they could give. And so 39 lashes. If you've seen the passion of the Christ, probably close to that. Like unrecognizable Jesus body. He was abused. And maybe some of you go, yeah, I, I know. I know he went, off, he went through all of that, but I bet he was, I bet he was never sexually abused. And there's probably some truth to that, but I would argue just a little bit that one of the traditions of the day was that criminals had to be, they had to be crucified completely naked. And so here's Jesus, nothing on, son of God for the world to see, for the world to mock and laugh and ridicule. They not only wanted him to feel the pain of the crucifixion, they wanted utter, complete humiliation, number five. They wanted humiliation. Jesus is treated as a criminal, humiliated for everybody to see. Not just for your sin, though. Check this out. Not just for your sin. That, yeah, for your sin, but not just for your sin. Hebrews or maybe it's Romans, I don't remember exactly which one. Hebrews chapter 2, in the message it says it this way, 
He, he did all of that. He suffered all of that way so that when he entered, like so that he would, he would enter every detail of human life, that he would know what you've been through, so that when he came before God as high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he, Jesus, would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and he would be able to help where help was needed. That's good news right there, church. What that means is Jesus went through all of that, not just for your sins, but so that he would know exactly what you have been through. In other words, there's no time when you pray to God, when, when you pray to Jesus, that he doesn't say, I understand. He understands what you've been through. He understands the hurt. He understands the pain. He understands the testing. He understands the, the, even, even probably the, the want and desire to hold something against somebody, but to let it go instead. He understands that process. He's been there. And here's, here's we're human, right? We are human, and we have this problem that we want to retaliate because we're, we're human, right? Man, you did me wrong. I'm, I'm finna come at you, bro, right? I'm coming at you, bro. It's that kind of attitude like, you're not going to do me wrong like that. I'm going to pay you back. Vengeance, right? I'm going to give you a piece of my mind, but you don't have a piece left to give him, right? I'm going to give you a piece of my mind, but really you just need peace in your mind. You just need peace in your mind. What, what if we could do that, man, if we just had peace in our mind? So how do we do this? What do we need to do? We, we, we know about forgiveness. We know how important forgiveness is. And so I don't think I have to convince you of that anymore, but what I want to do now is tell you where the strength comes from. Where does the strength come from to forgive? And Jesus, in, in the Scripture, he sets a standard. And I'm just, if you want to get mad at somebody, get mad at Jesus and not me. Okay, I'm just the messenger today. Here's the standard that Jesus gives for us to forgive. And he says, number one, pray for them. Mm. In your notes, pray for them. Come on, man, pray for them. I know some of you right now, you're going, I'm going to pray for them. I'm, I'm praying for them. I'm going to pray that the flies of a thousand camels fill their armpits, man. I'm praying hellfire and brimstone on them right now. I'm praying hemorrhoids in the name of Jesus. <laughs> hey, it's Old Testament. It happened in Old Testament. I'm just saying. I'm praying. I'm praying break the teeth of the wicked. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, that's Psalm. That's in the book of Psalm. He said break, break the teeth of the wicked. Not those kinds of prayers. Okay. We're talking about prayers uh, uh, like when, when, you, when you say, all right, Jesus, you do a work in them. You do something. I can't fix this problem. Jesus, it's up to you. you got to do it. Matthew says it uh, this way. Jesus said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus says, no, I'm telling you, you've got to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for them. Jesus said, pray. That means actively forgive and ask God to do something in their heart. Ask Jesus to do something in them. And listen to me, that prayer may never change their life, but it might change yours. It may never change them, but it'll change you when you pray for them. Because what you'll find out is it's hard to hate somebody when you pray for them. It's hard to hate them when you pray for them. Jesus didn't leave it there, though. He took it up a notch, and he said, 
you got to pray for them, and then you've got to, number two, you got to bless them. Come on, Jesus. you got to bless them. What, you, what do you mean bless? For you note takers, that word bless is, just means to speak well of. Oh, man. Speak well of? I, you mean i got to talk nice about the guy? Mm. Well, it, it just means that I'm not going to say anything privately or publicly. I'm not going to curse this person. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to speak I'm going to speak well of this person. I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm going to speak good things about my enemies. In Luke chapter six, Jesus says, I, "I tell you, those who will listen to me, those who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Pray for them. Bless them. Bless those who speak bad about you. Bless them in return. Right? In Romans." It says it this way, 12, 14. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Mm. Bless. Speak well of them and don't curse them. Uh, when I was a worship leader back a, a long time ago in, in Alabama, we just moved there, and there was a gal on our worship team. And, man, just butted heads. And we, um, I don't know, man. We, we just never could be on the same page, and I really never felt like she supported w- what I did. And, and never really kind of bought into the vision and caused division and mischief and always had her agenda. And, man, I, I could never do anything good enough. And so it was hard leading somebody like that. And can I just tell you, we put up with a lot of junk in the church sometimes. You wouldn't put up with it at your work. But we do in the church for some reason. So anyway, we, we, you know, we're, we're just, uh, we just like trying to work things out, and I'm trying to lead well, and I'm trying to be a good example. I'm trying to lead, lead by example and never gets anywhere. And I find out that she's going on a missions trip. And I felt like the Lord said, man, you need to give to her missions trip. And I said, I know that ain't the Lord right there. Uh-uh. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving her any money. But uh, the more we thought and prayed, we knew that the Lord was calling us to help support her on the missions trip and you'll never believe what happened. She didn't change one bit. <laughs> it didn't do anything for her. But I, I think it did something to me. It did something in me. And, and that's why number three is you got to do good to them. you got to do good to them. Somebody, man, you, you just hold this. If there's unforgiveness or bitterness towards a person, Jesus, man, he takes it on a whole nother level. Right here. Romans 12 says, don't repay evil for evil. Man, when somebody does something evil to you, Jesus, Paul is talking here. He says, hey, don't, don't do evil back. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as it depends on, like it, it, if, when the ball's in your court and when you have the power to do it, in other words... Live at peace with everybody. Don't take revenge. Man, when, when, when we take revenge, it gets messy, and, and we, it, it gets way out of control. It says, leave room for God's wrath. I think he does pretty good work. <laughs> for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. I'll take care of it. Let me fight your battle, God's saying. And he goes on to say, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, 
feed, feed him. Jesus, you want me to take my enemy out for lunch? Mm. If he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And, and, and this is hard to understand sometimes, but in doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Burn, baby, burn. <laughs> With all the condemnation, burn to the ground. That's, that's what we used to think. That uh, How many of you, I, I grew up thinking that, that that's what that meant, like, Heap burning coals on his head meant that, that it would bring so much condemnation to that person that they would come crawling back like, please forgive me. I've sinned against you. Please. No, no, it's not what it means at all. It, it, it's a context issue. And, and when we're, we're reading about, hey, if he's hungry, give him something to drink. If he's thirst, thirsty, give him something to drink. You know, take care of his needs. If he's, if he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. But in those days, burning coals were a hot, high commodity. Like, if, Think about it. If you didn't have burning coals, you didn't have a fire. That means you couldn't stay warm. That means you couldn't cook your meals. And so if people let their coals burn out, then, then they couldn't provide for themselves. They couldn't stay warm. And so what would happen is, is people would share their coals, their hot burning coals with neighbors. And when you take up this principle, what you're saying is, I have something you don't have, and I'm going to give it to you. Take these burning coals from me. Something that you need in your life, I'm giving it to you. That's pretty good, isn't it? So... How do we do this? How do how, how do we how does this play out? There's a verse right at right at the bottom here. This one right here. Do not overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's how you do it. Don't let, don't let evil take over in your life, man. You overcome evil with the good. So when something bad happens in your life, you're going to turn that around. You're not, you're not going to go down the same path. You're not going to play on the same field as them. No, I'm going to let it go. There's a story about Joyce Meyer. Who's ever heard of Joyce Meyer before? She's a pretty popular lady. And uh, she's, a, she's a Christian author and speaker, evangelist, however you want to look at her. And uh, several years ago, she was confronted with this principle of forgiveness. This principle of doing good. To somebody who had hurt her. And she, for the first time in her life, she went public with a story about how her dad um, raped her, beginning at age nine, repeatedly raped her more than 200 times. And, and you know, it's our secret. Nobody has to know. It's just, they won't understand. And so she had this shame and guilt and condemnation. Her mother even knew about it, and would do nothing about it. And so she lived with this. This is way before, of course, she's Joyce Meyer, she, who she is today. She, she, she had a failed marriage. Her first marriage failed, and, and now she is who she is today. With so much anxiety and, and unforgiveness and bitterness and estranged from her parents, she wanted zero relationship with her parents. And she was confronted with this principle that to forgive... Jesus says, pray for them. 
bless them and do good to them. And her dad's failing in health, so she bought a, bought a house for her parents and moved them close to her so she could take care of them. <laughs> she started paying for their medical bills and their insurance and their meals, everything that you can think of. She, she did good to them. And her dad wasn't a Christian, wasn't a believer, had never said he was sorry, never repented for his actions. And this goes on for a while, and nothing changes. Same old, same old. And he's getting closer to death. And one day, he calls her up on the phone and says, I need you and, I need you and Dave to, to come to the house. I need to talk to you. And he begins to weep and sob and repent for what he had did. And he repented to Joyce, and he repented to her husband, and he said, I'm so sorry. What I did was wrong. It was, it was not right. And she led him to the Lord... And now he's in heaven, by the way, and not hell. That's a, that's a good ending to the story, but it's even better. Because after that, Joyce, you know, when she's confronted with this, she said, I, I wasn't sorry that it happened anymore. I was able to forgive and let go and not let it control me and not, not let it ruin my life. We got to forgive everyone who's trying to ruin our lives. So how do we do that? This last verse, Matthew 10 verse 8 says, freely you have received, freely give. Freely give. This works in my life for this reason, because I've experienced it myself. You hear me? You can't give something you haven't received. You can't give something you haven't received. We can forgive because we've been forgiven. You can write that down. The very last thing, the forgiven forgive. This, it works in my life because I've, I've, I need it so bad myself. I've never had to forgive anyone else more than Jesus has had to forgive me. And chances are you'll never have to forgive anybody else in this life more than Jesus has to forgive you. We forgive because that's what, that's what Christians do. That, that, that's who we are. That's part of our nature as believers. And we have the power to do it because it's at work inside of us. I can't do this on my own. How do I do this? The more that I grow closer to Jesus, he gives me the capacity and the ability to forgive. Not my own. I can't do it by myself. I need him to do that. Amen? Amen. Hey, would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? I hope that this teaching has, has helped you a little bit to, as, you, as you process your bad days. And I'm, I know, I'm, I'm aware that bringing a message like this one today is, is both painful and encouraging at the same time. I, I, maybe I've drug up some, some of your past, some things that you've been through, some hurtful things, and, and I'm sorry that if it's brought back some, some memories, but one of the most powerful things I can do as your pastor is lead you into actively and daily forgiving people who are trying to ruin your life. So it's, it's letting it go. We're saying, God, we're going to let it go. Father, we forgive them 
because they don't know what they're doing. So I'm going to pray right where you pray, where you are. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and and we're just going to pray and ask the Lord to help us forgive, to help us let it go. Lord, every one of us today, we've we've we we have people who've hurt us and offended us and betrayed us. They falsely accused us and lied about us and rejected us and humiliated us. And God, today we're we're just stepping out in faith as hard as it is. Lord, we want to be in control. We want to make them pay for it. But you said vengeance was yours. So God, we forgive them and we ask you to forgive them, Lord. We let them go. And God, we're going to pray for them. We're going to bless them. We're going to do good to them. We're asking you to show us ways that we can do good to them. God, give us wisdom in how we can live that principle out. God, we're asking you to show us ways that that we can be your light and be your example. God, forgiveness doesn't minimize the offense. It doesn't take away what happened. That was real and it was painful. And we know this. We know that hurting people hurt other people. And so, God, we're asking you to heal the broken hearts of every person who's tried to hurt us. God, bring freedom to their damaged emotions. Give them beauty for ashes today and and joy instead of mourning, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. God, give them your strength. Let your joy be their strength today, Lord. Keep them in perfect peace as they keep their minds on you today. God, be their firm rock, their firm foundation. For every person who's hurt us and done wrong against us, God, we say, vengeance is yours. We're not going to take action. Lord, we're going to bless them. We're going to let you handle it. In Jesus' name. With your head bowed, your eyes still closed, some of you are here today, you're far from the Lord. You don't have an active relationship with with God. And and I just want to propose that you can't forgive anyone else the way you need to until you have received God's forgiveness. And if you're here today, you're far from God. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're, not, maybe you're backslidden. That's just a church for, uh, term that just says, hey, you believed in God, but you haven't been living like it. If that's you today you, and you've been far from Him and you're ready to receive His love, ready to receive His grace, His mercy, His forgiveness, you're ready to, to lean in You've got to make some changes. You, you can't just make that decision and keep living the way you've been living. You've you got to make some changes. The word repent means to turn, to turn from that, that way and run to God. If that's you today, we won't single you out, but we want to pray for you. And if that's you, just lift up your hand right where you are. Nobody's looking around. Just, God bless you. God bless you. Who else today? Man, I, I, I received Jesus as my Savior today. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I, I'm, I'm leaning in. I'm, I'm repenting. I'm turning from my ways, and I'm going to go after God's ways. Who else today would say, that's me? I'm leaning in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's pray this prayer together. You say it right with me, right where you are. Just say, Jesus, thank you for loving me, for forgiving me. I repent. I turn from my ways. I'm coming to you. I need you. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. My best friend. Take control in my life. I am yours.
and you are mine. From this day forward, I'll follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, come on, church. Let's give God thanks and praise today for his word and his life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, whether you raised your hand or not, if you prayed that prayer and meant that prayer, we want to help you with next steps. And, and the easiest way we can do that is through a connection card. And you got that when you came in, and it's inside your worship guide. You just tell us who you are on that card and mark that you made a decision. And what we'll do is we'll send you an email later this week with next steps. And like, where do you go from here? What do I do? We want to help you. Man, it's, it's a bad deal if, if, if we don't help you in, in your journey, right? So we want to help you in that journey. And you can, um, you can turn in that connection card in just a moment. And if you're a guest with us today, we, we are so honored that you're here. We believe that you are in the right place at the right time. And we want to keep you in prayers. You, you can take that connection card as well and drop it in the container when it passes by in just a moment. But there's no pressure for you to give if you're a guest with us. We, we want you to know that, uh, that that's your choice. Um, but we do want to celebrate some things that, that God has been able to do through City Hope Church over the last week. Yesterday, we had a team down at Faith Mission that was, uh, that was grilling some burgers and feeding the homeless and just taking care of some, some people down there. I got a, text, or a, a Facebook message from one of the guys that... that uh, goes to the center, and he's like, man, thank you so much. It was delicious. Hey, that's your generosity that makes th those kinds of things happen, where we're able to reach out and just love on some people who are, who are otherwise what we would call unlovable, right? And we just want to love on them. We were able to do that because of your generosity. And then today, two more churches are launching here in, in the States, and I, I just want to give them a big shout out. Mission Community Church in Fort Myers, Florida, and Cross and Anchor Church in Detroit, Michigan are two churches that you're helping launch today when you give. Yeah, when you give, we, part of that money goes out to help other churches get started, and we've been going for six weeks now. Today's their first Sunday, so we're excited to hear what goes on with them. Uh, in their cities and how God makes a difference in their city, all right? So guys, hey, thank you so much for, for listening to today's message. And I know it's a tough one, and I'm going to be praying for you this week because it, it's something that God may keep bringing back up, but I, I want you to walk in freedom, in true freedom. And, and so you're in my prayers this week, all right? All right, I'm going to bless you. We'll get ready to give. And then we'll, we'll baptize, and growth track will be after that. Lord, we love you. I thank you for today. Thank you, God, that, that we can talk about some tough subjects like this, forgiveness and bitterness, and, and just learn how to process it. God, you, you sent Jesus, and, and he did it. He finished the race, and we can learn some things from him, Lord. So help us to just lean into that, to learn and to not, uh, to not be um, absent-minded, but to really take it in. God, I pray that you'd stir it up in us this week, that we would learn how to, how to live it out, to walk out this forgiveness in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray that you'd bless every giver today, those who are giving um, in an envelope or whether they've already given online or through text message. However people give, we just thank you, Lord, that they're being generous, they're tithing, they're, they're um, giving to the local church so we can make a difference in our city and in this nation and around the world. And Lord, we just thank you that you're for us, not against us. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.